0: hello hello welcome back to another new episode i am giggling because i'm with my good friend cynthia she's right across from me i'm in dallas this week and it is humid and hot as usual in texas but why don't you introduce yourself
1: First off, welcome to Dallas. So glad you're here. And thanks for having me on. My name is Cynthia and I'm 24 years old. I'm currently working at American Airlines in the cargo revenue management department. But I met Brian back when we were still in college. So really excited to chat and just tell you guys about how we met.
0: Absolutely. And just remind me, you're not even from the Dallas area, right?
1: I'm not so. I moved around a lot growing up, but my family is currently based in McAllen, which, if you guys don't know, that's kind of like border of Mexico in the Rio Grande Valley. So that's so where I'm cool. from.
0: I think you're the only person I know from that area. So. I
1: know that's no one awesome. ever knows where it is.
0: I know everyone always says you know like the basics like Sugarland, Cypress, or Plano for reference. That's where all the Texas people are. But yeah, yes. Cynthia mentioned we met actually at a networking dinner for PepsiCo. So shout out PepsiCo. <laughs> I'm actually staying at my good friend Karine's place and she works at PepsiCo. So yeah, big plug. But
1: yeah. And it's <laughs> funny because like I remember that night not wanting to go to that networking dinner at all. I was so tired, had like exams the next day and I was like, I really don't want to have to put up a show, but whatever, I'll go. But I didn't even make it that far in the interview process, but I did meet you through it. So, you know, it was time well spent, I guess.
0: Aren't you glad? We're like best friends now.
1: Besties. Yeah. yeah.
0: I even went to one of your like classes. I forgot what the studio was called but <laughs> I died. Like you it's can like ask her.
1: Crush fitness, like basically oh, Barry's God. boot camp. So funny. You did great.
0: I know. Even the <laughs> trainer was like, Oh, you did great for your first time. I was like, yo, know, I was out of breath. And I was like, I'm about to give up, fam. This is hard.
1: No, no, proud of you. Let's do it again sometime.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Oh gosh. That was that was fine. But yeah, I know. It's it's been a while since that dinner. I think that was like Three, no, two yeah. and a half years ago now. Yeah. Goes by. So I know we've caught up a few times over the past year, but what's been going on since college or what have you been up to? Because I know, you you know, traveling's limited. And, and for reference, Cynthia's a big traveler <laughs> to say the least. So why don't you just catch me up on, on what's new?
1: Yeah. Well, um, like I said in the beginning, I am currently working at American Airlines. So Right after college, that was pretty much where I went to and did so much traveling my first year. It really made sense for me to go into this industry because I love it so much and it plays such a big role in my life, but... Yeah, did a ton of traveling my first year, took full advantage of my flight benefits. And since we fly on a standby basis as employees, it's just really easy to be super spontaneous with trips. So it wasn't like out of the norm to on a Thursday night, decide that you want to go to Argentina for a weekend. And the next day you're on a flight to Argentina. So that was so much fun being able to live that kind of lifestyle during my first year. But obviously the pandemic hit and I kind of had to reshape my whole life. So basically with all the extra time that I got back I started reading a lot picked up my guitar again and started going back to the gym so that's kind of where I am currently just anxiously waiting for countries to open back up but still making the most out of the time that I have now
0: absolutely and just pivoting off of that I just remember you know I, we already mentioned but we went, both went to UT mm-hmm. and we both studied finance so that's why we were at the same networking dinner and, and but we had the same like senior year finance class but just walk me through like more so what you did throughout college, like especially your study abroad, I think that's like super interesting and different about you. Just, yeah, walk us through that experience.
1: Yeah, so great question. So I really just took full advantage of the Macomb School of Business International program. So my sophomore year, I spent half a year in Bath, England, studying at their School of Management. I made a ton of friends, learned so much, and just loved every moment of it. And I knew that I wanted to spend more time abroad after I came home to Texas. So I looked into a intensive Spanish school in Spain the next summer. So I ended up in Salamanca, Spain at the Tula College of Español, where I studied intensive Spanish for three months. And that was so much fun that I knew I wanted to spend more time in Spain. So the following summer, I went abroad again, this time to Barcelona, where I interned abroad at a venture capital firm for three months. So just really took full advantage of all the international programs that UT offered me and loved every moment of it
0: absolutely and you mentioned venture capital so i see the finance hat coming up but i'm more curious like how did your study abroad and your obviously in wide expansive traveling experience play into your current role and your current career path like did it help in the interview process like walk us through kind of like what you're thinking senior year as you're approaching you know that first full-time job that we're all anxious about right
1: yeah absolutely so I think for me, traveling so much from my freshman to junior year just allowed me to realize how much I love traveling. And when I was going through recruiting senior year, it was almost like it's the aviation industry or nothing. Like I really wanted to work for a company that valued traveling and valued just getting those personal experiences out of like exploring the world. So I really looked into every single company within like the travel and hospitality industry and knew I wanted to be there. So in my interviews, I'm sure I wasn't the most competent or the most knowledgeable in the finance world But I really pivoted in my interviews towards just expressing my passion for the industry And I think that's what at the end of the day got me into it
0: Got it. That makes a lot of sense And that like makes me think what kind of steps or actions do you recommend for those interested in aviation industry? Especially those maybe going to their freshman or sophomore year Looking back what you could have done proactively to, to get to where you are now
1: Yeah, definitely. An obvious answer would be networking. I had a lot of friends within the industry that I really connected with and asked them a ton of questions prior to going to these interviews. And what I can tell you now is it's just so important to really research all the industry terminologies that you may be asked to speak about. Um, In my interviews, I was asked a lot of airline-specific market questions and forecasting questions. So just being familiar with your airline-specific terms would be really helpful. Obviously, they don't expect you to know everything about the market conditions and whatnot, but being familiar with the competitors as well as the current market landscape would really help you stand out in the interview. And obviously, just honing in on your passion because at the end of the day, Airlines are really looking to hire like-minded people who love the travel industry. So make sure to do that.
0: Absolutely. And you miss market a lot. I'm so curious, like right now, obviously we're recovering from a huge pandemic. How has your week changed since, you know, the pandemic and what does a typical week really look like?
1: Yeah. So obviously the pandemic has affected the airline industry in a major way. And my typical week has changed a lot from prior to the pandemic to now so i work as a pricing analyst in the cargo revenue management department and prior to the pandemic our team was broken out into regions so every analyst kind of covered their own region i used to cover just domestic western hemisphere so basically in charge of pricing cargo anywhere from dallas to la and in between however now with the downsizing of our department i am in charge of a much more broader regions. So I now cover Florida, Latin America, and Asia Pacific. And a typical week, I work really closely with sales and account managers within those regions to make data and market-driven decisions for pricing freight originating out of their cities. When people hear cargo, I feel like most think just cardboard boxes, but you would be so surprised by what actually goes into the underbellies of the aircrafts that we carry our passengers in like on a day-to-day basis and pricing anything from like live reptiles to human remains and everything in between. So it's never a dull moment. So I have a lot of ad hoc requests in that sense, but I also work with a lot of long-term project moves and initiatives. So for example, most recent one I can think of is the COVID vaccine distribution. So that in a nutshell is kind of what I do.
0: That's crazy. It, this is the first time I'm hearing about this, guy. So Does that require a lot of, I would say, research or at least some kind of judgment? Like, how do you make those decisions? I feel like that itself is kind of ambiguous and kind of creative in a a certain way, more so than a traditional finance reporting kind of role.
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. But without giving away too much of my secrets, there's so much that goes into determining competitive pricing points and what to offer our customers. We utilize a lot of industry market data to drive the decisions, as well as historical airline cargo pricing, yield, and data that I'll look at to see what makes sense for the current market. We have different pricing points for just a variety of different commodities that we offer. There's obviously general cargo, like what Amazon ships, but there's also commodities like perishables, like the current cherry season that's starting up that we're playing a big part of. So that's why we work so closely with the sales and field agents to try to gather current competition out there and get a scope of where we need to be in order to be competitive in our pricing.
0: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And there is no like formula or simple mathematical equation. It, it does seem like there's kind of some creativity and kind of uh, art involved. And, yeah. and that's sort of what I know from my current role as well with forecasting. And it, it's very out there because yeah. you never. have to have an opinion.
1: And exactly. There's never a dull moment. There's always something new every day. And I'm constantly learning, which is why I like it so much.
0: Absolutely. That's awesome. And, and I guess just jumping into our next topic, you had mentioned earlier about getting back into reading books. So if you guys don't know, Bookmark by Cynthia is popping off. It's her new Instagram blog. I'm so curious, but how did that idea start? And you know, walk us through that initial journey.
1: Yeah, so I started this like bookstagram slash book blog because I really wanted to find a community of people who still love to read. Felt like prior to this vlog, I was just kind of posting on my personal like stories and not really getting much response from it. It was kind of like, you know, those Instagram influencers that post their skincare routine that no one asked for. That was like how I felt about posting mm-hmm. books. So I kind of just wanted to find a community that I can really relate to. And another reason for starting this blog is because I really wanted to set more reading intentions for myself this year. I set a goal to read or support more BIPOC. AAPI and queer authors. So, having this blog keeps me accountable in what I read and allows me to facilitate deeper discussions. Because, you know, when you're reading like hundreds of books a year, it's really important to make the most out of your time and make sure that what you're reading is something you enjoy, but also something that will teach you a thing or two and help you become a more empathetic and better person.
0: I love that. And I think we could all do better with reading. And I'm talking about myself when I say all. Uh, I used to, I was reading quite a bit last year and and now I'm kind of like bumming out, but.
1: That's okay. uh,
0: (laughs) I I do really enjoy seeing your Instagram page and your blog. And I think there's so many great books, but I'm curious, like, especially since, you know, we're both starting our passion projects, if you will, Mm -hmm. you know, not too long ago, we both started, but what's been the most challenging part about starting, you know, that kind of page and and while having a full-time job, because I know for me, at least on my end, it's like every weekend's kind of dedicated to Mm -hmm. it. Is that kind of like your experience or is it a little bit different?
1: No, yeah, definitely. It's really hard to balance like a passion project on top of uh, like a demanding job. I totally get that. Keeping up with the account itself isn't too bad because I was already reading a ton before starting this account. So it's not like that required extra time. And I'm comfortable with photography. So that part wasn't a big deal. For me, books are, like, my happy place and something I always look forward to when I get home from work. So it helps that, like, it's something that I love. I would say the biggest challenge I'm facing is kind of balancing my collaborations and being realistic with my time. Because as my account grows, I'm starting to get more publishers and independent authors reaching out to have me review their new releases um, and promote them before they hit the shelves. And As much as I would love to review every single new release that's coming out in the next few months, it's just not realistic time-wise. So it's been a challenge to find that balance between who I say yes and no to. Currently, I'm dedicated to only accepting books that really pique my interest and books that I would have purchased for myself anyways. I just don't ever want reading to turn into a job or an obligation since it's my safe place. So I would say that's probably the biggest challenge so far. But at the end of the day, it's something i love to do and hopefully will keep up with throughout the years.
0: I love that. And I agree. Like when you turn like a hobby or passion project and it crosses that border of Mm -hmm. a job and it starts, you know, having some monetary incentives.
1: Yeah.
0: And then the lines get blurred. It it can be hard, especially I think about like people who are like passionate about sports or passionate about art. It's like it, it becomes different if you're dependent on it to bring you income yeah and so i yeah i mean no that's a really good point and as you as we continue to grow bigger especially you mm-hmm. that's where you have to really draw the line and say hey is this something i i want to take further or do i want to keep it as a hobby as well and also not feel like obligated, like oh i have to do this
1: exactly yeah boundaries are so important when it comes to passion projects you just don't ever want it to feel like a chore
0: absolutely that's awesome. And, and of course, I have to ask, but, you know, what was like that very first book? I don't know if you can remember. I'm sure you were probably reading in like kindergarten or whatever, but that really like captivated you or really got you like passionate about reading or or was it something like that resurfaced after college for you? Walk us through that that first book that really got you back into the reading world or have you always been the I don't know. yeah
1: no that's a really hard question I <laughs> grew up reading so much like my family would take me to the library on weekends and that's where I would spend most of my time but I would say my earliest recollection probably Juni B. Jones and Magic Treehouse like I loved those books so much and I think those were the first like chapter books that I really understood and indulged in I just remember feeling connected to the characters for the first time and I remember how much I wanted to like climb into those pages and be part of their world. So I think those series really shaped my love for fiction since they allowed me to escape reality for a bit. And I would say to this day, 90% of the books I read are still fiction. And I think it was partially due to those books. So yeah, throwback, but I'm sure everyone or most people listening have read either Judy B. Jones or magic tree house, but they're definitely great picks.
0: Absolutely. I've read them, too. I, I used to actually, fun fact, you used to read a lot of fiction books as well. Like, I don't know if you know this series called Warriors. Yes. <laughs> it's about, oh like, the gosh. cats. Like, that was, like, my, my like, book. I love that theory-
1: series. It's so good.
0: Yeah. And I still have it in my like, bookshelf at home, like, in my parent's house. But, yeah, yeah. So maybe you're inspiring me to, like, pick them up and reread them or... Man, those are – because a lot of those books might not even get any kind of movie or, like, show adaptation. So it's, like, really you have to read the book.
1: Yeah, but it's, like, so timeless too because I have, Mm -hmm. like, younger cousins and I still give my, like, old Junie B. Jones series too. And it's just so cute to, like, see them reading the books that I read growing up.
0: Absolutely. So obviously not everyone is as passionate about reading as you. And and maybe for those who are trying to get into reading but don't know, like, how to, like, ease their self – into that habit almost what kind of advice can you give for those who want to get into reading but feel pressured to read those kind of self-help books or those like boring non-fiction books yeah just what kind of actions or, i guess advice could you give them
1: yeah i feel like for a lot of people our age i think we feel pressured when we read to read books that you know are non-fiction personal finance self-help books that may be a little dry and not as easy to read for me I eased back into reading after college by picking books that actually piqued my interest. Like I love sci-fi and fantasy. So I, for a couple of months, I read nothing but sci-fi and fantasy just because I wanted to. So I would say don't feel pressured to read books that you don't want to read. Pick books that you actually like and authors that you really identify with. Another thing I do is I set time to read every night. So not every night, but nights where I have time, I will just turn off my phone and really have that quiet time without any distractions. And my last tip and my, I would say most relevant tip is to join a local book club. This was one of the main reasons why I created this account was to connect with more readers and get accountability partners. I've been able to join three local book clubs, have met so many great people through it. They help keep me accountable with my reading goals. And you're more likely to read when you're reading with other people. So it's really easy to find. I recommend just posting on like a local Facebook group or something, asking if people want to get together and read. It's been really fun to just meet new people and even network through it. So highly recommend.
0: Awesome. And, and you can definitely create one for your friend group as well. I actually yeah. know someone who did that and, and it seemed really successful.
1: Absolutely. Awesome.
0: yeah, thank you for sharing. And last question but not least, what are kind of your top three books that you recommend for new readers, and especially during this month? you know Happy Pride Month obviously definitely want to give a shout out to that. but what do you recommend for new readers?
1: Yeah, great question. So given that it is Pride Month, I want to center my recommendations on books that really celebrate the LGBTQ plus community. And I prefer to go into books knowing as little as possible, so the recommendations I'm giving, I'm going to leave out the full-on synopsis. If you guys want to learn about them, Google it, but just know that these three books are some that are very near and dear to my heart and some of my favorites of all time. So starting in the historical fiction genre, I read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo this year by Taylor Jenkins Reid. This is one of my favorite books that I read this year, and it's due to the amazing queer and POC representation within this book. It's some of the best I've ever read, and I feel like it's so rare to find that kind of representation in the historical fiction genre. So love this book so much, and we'll never stop recommending it. My next genre that I'm jumping into is fantasy. The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune is one of the best books that I read last year this is a feel-good whimsical story with like an underlining message of love friendships and acceptance and if you're looking for a comfort read this is definitely the book for you reading it made me feel like being wrapped up in a warm blanket and i will reread it to this day so i'm pushing it onto all of my friends my last book with queer representation is a Greek mythology retelling. So if you guys are a fan of the Greek myths, this one is definitely for you. The book is called The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. She is one of the most beautiful writers I've ever read. And this book is a story of Achilles, but told in the point of view of his lover, Patroclus. So there's less emphasis on the Trojan War, but more so on how his character came to develop. So if you're into character-driven books and just beautiful retellings, this one is for you. So yeah, these are my three Pride Month recommendations that I love and will recommend to the day I die.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Cynthia. This was so fun. And want to thank you again for taking time out of your busy weekend to hang with me and record.
1: Or so much fun. Thanks for having me.
0: Definitely. Well, that was it for the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed and just signing off. Best regards, Brian.
1: And Cynthia we